And so she invited me to attend the Oscars with her as her plus one in 2015. <laughs> so I got to go on that ultimate father-daughter date to yeah. go to the Oscars <laughs> with my daughter, sitting literally in the seats where uh, the cast of Birdman was with Michael, um, oh my goodness, I'm forgetting his name. Blanken. Uh, Birdman, Boyhood. Uh, we're going to we're got to clean this one up in the bloopers thing later on. I'll look it up. Um, you are in the trenches of life. You are faced with pressure every day. Family, work, community, all demanding a piece of life. Fatherhood is war, but you continually battle for your soul and the souls in your family. It can feel isolating and exhausting, but there is good news. You have a heavenly father. Because of Jesus, you can be strong, courageous. You can be an intentional father, living with purpose. This is what you are meant for. You will make an impact. You are not alone. Welcome to Dad in the Trenches. A resource for biblical truth, challenge, and encouragement for Christian dads in the trenches of life. <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed our little blooper reel there at the beginning. Uh, it's not often we get to have those too much, but just a little bit of fun, and I really appreciate uh, my guest's humor today. And I hope it also whet your appetite for a little bit of what's to come in today's episode. So, uh, real quick, um, at least if you're listening to this episode uh, on release day, we have an election going today, uh, released on November 3rd, and um, boy, what a a year it's been, what a couple of months it's been. Um, I really have tried not to follow along with a whole lot of politics, but even just what I see on social, the news blurbs, um, it's nasty. And uh, I'm quite frankly, I'm, I'm glad to be getting all this behind us. But here's the thing about politics. Um, yeah, make no mistake, what we see in politics is simply a reflection of us. Um, politics, ultimately, they, it can't change culture. Uh, for politics is simply a, what we see in politics is simply a symptom of a greater problem and the result of basically a broken society putting those in power that cater to their own brokenness. And, and I'm speaking, this goes for both sides of the aisle. So only changed hearts is what changes culture. So here's the deal, regardless of the outcome of the election today and what happens in the weeks, months, years to come, um, only Jesus can change hearts the appetites of the heart, which results with enough people that happening to then begins to change culture. So you, as a follower of Jesus, what can you do? Are you seeking to influence politics and putting your hope in that? Or are you seeking to live humbly, love mercy, live in a way that shines your light before all men, to give generously? When you do have conversations, let your speech be seasoned with salt and winsome and walk in step with the Spirit, and be ready to give a reason for the hope that's within you, and watch how God will use you, and be that change that you want to see, and influence in a way 
for the change to come that you want to see. So that is my charge to you, regardless of the outcomes of today's election and what's to follow in the weeks and months to come. Okay, we're going to shift gears here. Today's episode, this is a fun one. I love a good story. And uh, I love a story of how God takes a person's life experiences and weaves them all together, where the sum of the parts achieve something even greater. So that's where today's guest comes in. Uh, not only does this story just showcase this uh, divine weaving, if you will, uh, but it gives us perspective on where we are in our own stories. Uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So without further ado, we're going to jump right in. Thanks for joining us here on Dad in the Trenches. And here we go. So gentlemen, welcome and thank you for joining us here today on Dad in the Trenches. My guest today is Bradley Hawkins. Bradley, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for the invite. I'm uh, uh, really impressed with what you're doing and I'm uh, honored to be a guest today. So just for our, our listeners, uh, you know, tell us a, a little bit about yourself, what you do presently, season of life, family, family dynamics, all that. Well, okay. I'm uh, 64 years old. I've uh, been married for coming up on 35 years. Uh, congratulations. Uh, thank you. Uh, I, we have two adult children that are grown up and that are now uh, in their early 30s. Yeah. And uh, I'm a grandfather of... Uh, the two most precious little grand uh, grand girls on the planet, uh, <laughs> ages four and seven. So I was a marching band director for several years. I retired from that and went into acting, started more making more money actually teaching acting, which inspired me to go back to college. Okay. And uh, retired from teaching in 2012, got back on the horse initially as an actor, which morphed into becoming a film director. And that kind of <laughs> takes me to where I am today. Fantastic. That's awesome. Well, I look forward to getting into some of that here in just a bit. Talk to us just a little bit about your, your background growing up. Obviously, this is a, a podcast for dads as well. You would love to hear just about anything, impact of father on you as well, emotionally, spiritually, you know, your background, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, the first thing that comes to mind as far as being a father is the sense is that uh, God has put me in a position of being a mentor very early on. Mm. Um, even going back into high school, I was put in, into a mentorship position with the marching band that I was involved with by being asked as a sophomore in high school to take a class where I would mentor the freshmen on uh, marching skills so that they were more polished to be with the rest of the band. Sure. That led to me being a very young drum major. Drum major is sort of like a student director, yeah. where I was drum major. Most drum majors for high school are drum major for one year. I was a drum major for two years. And the, the, the band director was definitely ready to retire, so relied on me a lot <laughs> as a drum major. And so I was put into unique leadership roles very early on in high school. As soon as I graduated from high school, my junior high asked me back to mentor again and start a jazz band at the junior high level. Um, I then became a marching band director in my early 20s at 23. And uh, again, mentoring young musicians. Then I, I was a teacher at a Christian school uh, just prior to that. 
that's where I met my wife. I was the roving music teacher and she was teaching fourth grade, I believe it was. I'd come into her class once a week and that's how we met <laughs> and started dating and things went from there. In a lot of ways, I feel like I've been in a parenting role for almost all of my adult life yeah. prior to having our, our own children. So as teachers, um, both my wife and I are teachers, or uh, she's still teaching elementary school. There's a lot. There's a lot of bleed over between being a teacher and a parent, and uh, so felt like we went into parenthood with more experience than a lot of parents do. We also didn't get married until we were 29. and didn't become parents till 30, so we were more grown up, if you would. Right. Uh, as parents, we weren't teen parents or anything like that. And. Yeah. Uh, at least not of our own kids, but uh, both of us as teachers in parenting positions uh, early on. Maybe talk a little bit about the impact of your own father on you. Um, yeah, well, growing up in the 60s, I had sort of the um, dads back in the 50s and 60s were very much the providers and would be at work all day come home and relax and didn't really, you know, I can't, I can't say that I knew my dad all that well. He, he passed in 2000. Okay. Uh, so there was not a, I mean, he was loving. Yeah. Uh, I was not raised in a Christian family. I will say that. Okay. Um, we did go to church that was more obligatory, if you would, as a kid. Yep. Uh, it was something that they did. It was more of a, um, um, it certainly wasn't anything that had to do with a personal relationship with Christ. It was more, this is what you do on Sundays. You put on your Sunday best. Here, right. Brad, put the quarter in the little wooden church. Right. You know, so it was frankly meaningless to me as a kid. Right. Uh, but when I became a dad, I think my dad started appreciating. It, it, there was a breakthrough somehow when I became a dad mm. and seeing me that way to where I feel like I earned his respect more at that stage of my life. Gotcha. Uh, and so, but I did have a grandfather of uh, my four grandparents. One of my grandparents was very tactile, very loving. Uh, not that my dad wasn't loving. It was just, there was some distance there. Sure. Um, and I was the oldest grandchild. So the, and the first grandchild. So gotcha. I got a lot of attention from my, my, my granddad, Mac. And, um, a lot of well, we'll get into that more later as we talk about yeah film. Yeah, I know there's some some crossover there. <laughs> there's a lot of crossover. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, just when when did you actually come? You know, you, you mentioned going to church, but there was that relational piece with the Lord that was missing. When did that actually change for you? So um, I would I would definitely refer to myself as a teenager as a seeker. The first attraction had to do with this girl that I fell in love with, who was a churchgoer. <laughs> so I started going to church with her as a reason to go to get to know her better. Uh, Lord, but works I, in all I, sorts of ways. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> well, they, they get even to capitalize on that. I credit uh, three sources as leading me to Christ. Mm -hmm. The first and mo probably most impactful was actually seeing a movie in 1973 while I was in high school yeah. that was picketed and considered the most blasphemous thing ever put on film. And that was the rock music, the film adaptation of the rock musical, Jesus Christ Superstar. Right. 
I was definitely a rock and roller uh, as a teenager. <laughs> My favorite band was The Who. So when I heard about this film um, and knew that it was going to be rock music, I definitely was all about seeing it. I knew very, very little bit, little about Christ at that point, uh, age 15 or 16. Uh, I mean, I knew Easter wasn't about the Easter Bunny. Yeah. I know that there's, there's this guy called Jesus who some claim to be the son of God. I knew he died on a cross. Um, but uh, frankly, that was about it. Never heard of Mary Magdalene, didn't know who Pontius Pilate was, yeah. King Herod, never heard of the 39 stripes, none of that. So to be in a film that first off had music that really reached to me with the hard rock music mm -hmm. and the uh, uh, youthfulness of the film and the controversy probably to a teenager even kind of uh, wet my whistle more to go check this out, sure. you know? So after seeing Jesus Christ Superstar, it made me very curious as to how much of this is who people at church say Jesus was versus something that was invented for a movie. Right. So it really got me to want to look more into who is this Jesus Christ that we're talking mm -hmm. about. The other source would be Hal Lindsey's book, The Late Great Planet Earth. Uh, it was a biggie in the uh, uh, 80s that uh, and this is Jesus Christ Superstar actually started very much a Jesus movement yes. uh, in the late 70s yeah. where Christian rock started coming out, where mm -hmm. believers who also fell in love with the music of Jesus Christ Superstar became a lot of people came to Christ through a film that the organized churches were saying yeah. this is blasphemous. Yeah. Um, so talk about God working in mysterious ways. Yeah. That film most definitely was. Yeah. Al Lindsay's late great planet earth got me to my knees at age 21. Mm. So I accepted the Lord at age 21. And I was seriously looking into going to a Christian college late because I would done the community college thing and stuff that didn't end up being the path. God led me. It was more the, uh, in the direction of being a marching band director, yeah. working with kids. And that was where the path went from there. Yeah. The third source was a friend of mine who I grew up with in Boy Scouts, Mike Conlon. And Mike turned me on to Hal Lindsey's Lake Great Planet Earth. Gotcha. I had also another childhood friend who frankly freaked me out at age <laughs> 12 by praying for me at one point. It's like, okay, this is weird. <laughs> but now I owe him so much for praying for me as a little boy yeah. uh, and to look forward to thanking him again in heaven when I see him face to face yeah. again. Uh, that's great. Also, just as we get to know you a little bit more, you know, tell us about your own fatherhood kind of in the trenches story of learning to be a dad, balance work, you know, spiritual life, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, well, a uh, unique dad situation for me is this marching band that I was the director of was a sort of like a, uh, honors junior high and high school age marching band with kids throughout the entire Santa Clara County. So obviously it needed to meet during evenings and weekends. Yeah. So my wife would teach during the day and when we became parents very early on after we got married, since we didn't get married till 29, we yeah. were parents by 30. Okay. Um, so I was the daytime parent. We were, our first child was our, uh, our son, Trevor. So I was changing all the diapers, feeding him, taking him to the doctor. Uh, I don't like the term Mr. Mom because there's no way I could ever be a mom. Yeah. There's dads, there's moms. I was very much <laughs> a dad at home with my kid. Yeah. 
And then my wife would come home about 3.30 and shifts would change. And then I would go to work. And then um, uh, I'd travel during the summer and uh, on the weekend. So I was uh, fortunate, blessed to be able to be so involved as a dad with both of our kids when they were babies, toddlers, preschool, and going into school. Um, That's great. And... um, Again, with all my experience of being a teacher prior to that, I was not intimidated at all about yeah. these aspects. Yeah, for sure. Um, anything, I, you, anything you had to overcome as a dad or things you've learned as a father you want to share yeah, with all dads? Yeah, and, and something that uh, I belong, belong to a small, uh, a small group with, uh, through our church. Okay. We're, my wife and I are the only ones that are grandparents. Everyone else have school-age kids or okay. infants. So we're like the, we're definitely the seniors in the group. Yes. Um, And we love that position because we feel like we have surrogate uh, grandchildren through there. But I often have to tell all the others, the challenges of parenting do not stop once your kids are 18 and out of the house. Frankly, I think that the toughest stage of parenting, having been going through it all, has nothing to do with changing diapers or getting your, packing your kids lunch or grounding them because they got home late or anything like that. Yeah. When it gets tough is when they become young adults and you can no longer ground them Mm. or um, discipline them in some way. And that very tricky period of realizing that they're adults, but knowing the mistakes that they're making and how do I filter that? That was something I, I never had to do as a teacher. I worked with kids from grade seven through 12. In other words, 10 to 18. Yeah. My wife dealt with kids ages um, elementary age. Yeah. So we both had a lot of experience working with kids that are school age, but zero experience working with late teen, 20 somethings. And those were the toughest parts of parenting was Mm -hmm. when we just had to look and bite our tongues and, um, you know, do much more listening than speaking and yeah. slow to anger. Uh, <laughs> I forget which scripture that is, but I had to really practice that one a lot. Right. When our kids were between 18 and 25 or so, 26, I remember my wife and I both saying, I wish there was just a way we could fast forward them to 30. <laughs> to get past the 20s and looking at my own time in the 20s i was a turbulent you know uh 20 year old i think especially for men young men i think the 20s are the toughest decade um growing up mm. for almost everybody but as a teacher i saw a lot more troubled young men during the 20s than young ladies um, interesting young ladies seem to be more focused uh able to go the college path and be more serious about it. But as a former teacher who was still in contact with a lot of my former students who are age in range 25 to 50 now, yeah. uh, I've seen a lot of them just have a really tough time getting through the 20s. Yeah. Uh, and notice that in both of my own kids as well. Interesting. Yeah, it's very much a decade of really kind of discovery decisions where you're going what's your trajectory 
especially for us as one got independence, wanting to be your own person. Yeah, you know, uh, not you know. I think, and I think there's always, uh, I think there's a pretty universal tension between fathers and sons, and daughters and mothers. Uh, often tighter bonds, fathers and daughters, and sons and mothers, huh. uh, and that that seems to really come to a head at the late teens, early twenties. curious um we were talking earlier before we started you know about uh connecting on instagram and been paying attention to your work uh recently came out uh and you've got a film called calf rope and um uh, i'm curious one just to hear some about kind of your story uh where you've you know you've been in the film industry you know unpack some of that for us but also you know the the trajectory and transition from maybe not only being an actor and being in that to deciding to okay, I want to produce films, I want to direct films, you have your own production company, you know, kind of just, you know, tell us some of the story about getting into that and what it's been like, and we'll go from there. Sure. As I shared, or, uh, I think before we start our podcast, I really got into film directing through acting. Huh. And uh, I was, uh, uh, after being a marching band director, I started acting, eventually started making more money teaching acting, which got me back into school uh, to get my degree. And that's where I went on to be a film studies and humanities teacher here in Pennsylvania. Then retired from that in 2012 and got back on the horse as an actor, which uh, uh, I've always loved to do. Never really gave in directing any thought, although I was, had directed marching bands, sure. directed high school plays, yeah. had a lot of uh, directed films with my neighborhood friends as a boy. I was a kid that <laughs> was given an eight millimeter film camera at 12 for my dad okay. and made little movies with my friends and brothers. Uh, and, you know, so <laughs> got an early start with that. Felt initially overwhelmed with the idea of becoming a film director. Um, so after I retired, my daughter was going a modeling path and was starting to get some jobs as an actor from being a model okay. and was looking to move to LA. So I went out with her to, so she knew she wanted to move to LA or New York, us being former Californians. And I cannot stand New York. Um, I feel very claustrophobic there. Doesn't do anything for me. Just, and despite being so much further away, I wanted my daughter to check out California as an alternative to New York city. Gotcha. So we went out there, we spent several weeks. And during that time, um, I was auditioning. I, uh, got her introduced to some professional acting classes and she started getting the acting bug. So we were, she started auditioning for roles and like any actor who's starting out, you have to do, your job is essentially auditioning right. unless you're in the top 1%. Yeah. She was getting frustrated with going to all these auditions and callbacks and such and rarely getting anything. And we started talking about creating our own content. I was getting booked quite a bit because of my age and my experience yeah. and there being fewer, far fewer actors uh, who have not made it at my age in the mid fifties. So I was getting booked all the time, but her being in her twenties, she's competing against kids who grew up on Nickelodeon and the right. Mickey Mouse Club and all that. So 
really tough age group to try to break in. Yeah. Um, so we had the idea to create our own content, trying to figure out what that was. On one trip when I came back home and she's still in LA and we got her moved into a place, she sent me a text message about a horrific audition that she went to. It was more like one of these three bubble type of text messages mm -hmm. with a lot of details. I said, slow up here. Send me an email with some bullet points. I want to look this over more. <laughs> so she did. And I said, I think I found our movie. We were looking for a movie for us both to act in. But what she told me about was, I don't see a part for myself, but this is a story that people that are, it's going to resonate with a lot of people. I think this needs to be our, our movie. You, you'll start it. I'll direct it. And we'll find a crew. And let's make this be our first film. So I flew back out to LA. Uh, I also ran the script by some friends of mine who were further along than I was and produced some movies and asked me to act in a couple of them okay. and uh, asked him to look over the script and didn't hear anything about it. My daughter at the time was working for the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences who put on the Oscars. Yeah. Um, and her job for the Academy was um, celebrity wrangler, if you would. Okay. Uh, when there'd be a QA and a in one of the theaters, She'd be the one that would escort Leonardo DiCaprio or uh, Rooney Mara or uh, Steven Spielberg from one location to another and help gotcha. them get out and yeah. got to wherever they need to be. A very high profile position yeah. uh, that she was put into. And so she invited me to attend the Oscars with her as her plus one in 2015. <laughs> so. I got to go on that ultimate father-daughter date to yeah. go to the Oscars <laughs> with my daughter, but we were uh, essentially seat fillers yeah. uh, at the Oscars. Is what she was asked to do, and she could bring a plus one to do it with her. So we were in like the third row in the front, and I had oh, Alfred Wood, uh, Woodard was in our row, and I was sitting right next to Gwyneth Paltrow, and it was an amazing experience. Yeah. But so she invited me to come back the following year, I said, you know what? Nothing's ever going to top this father-daughter date <laughs> unless we were to come back because either you're nominated or I'm nominated, and that's right. when I'd want to come back. Yeah. So anyway, during that time, we got this call from this producer that I had sent the script to get his opinion on. Yeah. He said, hey, are you still interested in doing this roller coaster movie? And we, I said, yeah, I definitely. Well, as it turns out, there's some students or, or, or graduates from Messiah College in Pennsylvania who are out in LA and they have an extra week out there. And if you're looking for a crew, they'd be willing to do it. Cool. So it's like, heck yeah. So we shot roller coaster in LA with very little uh, uh, prep time, like three weeks to prep for it. Okay. And that little short film ended up winning 30 film festival awards our first time out throughout the country and really put our name on the map from the get-go yeah she she was she uh was winning awards as an actor in it i was okay. winning awards as a director um uh, and it was drawing interest from others as saying dang man look what these two did did yeah so we immediately rolled over into us our next short which was a comedy fantasy that I wrote based on two of my former students. Okay. One from the 80s, who in the 80s, I was his 25-year-old band director and he was a 15-year-old drummer, but now he's 50 years old. Yeah. And the other being a, 
a former student of mine from 2006 in Lebanon who was 29, uh, and the polar opposite, six foot three, 250 pounds or whatever, yeah. and ended up being a, a, a linebacker for Penn State, oh, went into pro football, played for the uh, Miami Dolphins and the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's Jared Odrick, who's <laughs> okay. now retired from football. But this film, Filling In, was literally written for these two polar opposite characters to make this buddy picture called Filling In. Uh, and Sarah, there was no role for Sarah in that, but Sarah produced that, okay. and I was the director. Yeah. So during this period, while we were shooting Roller Coaster, she felt weird calling me dad on set. She weird, felt weird calling me Bradley on set like everybody else did. Yeah. So she started calling me Dadley. <laughs> and then we became the film production company, Dadley Productions. Dadley that's Productions. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> This goes in with the whole dad in the trenches thing, big time. Um, so Dadley Productions produced uh, Filling In, and then our third film, which is out on the film festival circuit now, Calf Rope. Sarah, once again, is the producer. Okay. There's no role for her in it. Yeah. I directed it, and uh, it's now on the film festival circuit. That's great. So that's kind of the journey of where we got to where we are today. Yeah. And from here on out, we're looking at uh, moving towards short films to um, features or uh, content for television. Yeah, that's great. Talk some more just about Calf Rope. I know, one, I, it looks like it's doing really well just in all the film uh, circuits. You're cleaning up on awards, which is on the, awesome. On, on the film festival circuit. Yeah, it, absolutely. It really is. So tell yeah, us just we, a little um, bit about the backstory on calf rope, you know, the idea and the heart behind it. After filling in, we fully intended to move into features because with two award-winning films, Roller Coaster 130, filling in double that with 61 and breaking in globally. Wow. We had plenty enough awards to prove that we're capable of making a solid feature. Yeah. And that was our intent because it's almost impossible to monetize short films. Right. Um, and so that was, that's the reason to move on to features. But I had this story in my heart and uh, my wife and I were coming back from a film festival driving from Georgia and we're just brainstorming ideas for what the next thing should be. And I don't know how the topic came up. We started talking about my grandparents started telling her about how tight I was with my granddad, Mac and this, brief story about how he would tickle me relentlessly until I said the magic words, which were calf rope. And calf rope is sort of cowboy language for uncle. To say uncle, instead yeah. of saying uncle, you say calf rope, and then the tickle attack stops. Gotcha. And that spawned ideas for me about how there could be multiple meanings towards that term calf rope within a story that would serve as an homage towards the relationship between grandparents and grandchildren and legacies. Okay. And so the story calf rope is based on true stories about my grandfather and other adult male figures that I grew up with kind of in a con bringing those all into one character rather than introducing several. Gotcha. But as a, as a story that talks about how 
we have no idea what kind of impact that we're making on on future generations and how closely we're being watched mm -hmm. as parents, as grandparents from our children and grandchildren right. and what things they pick up on that will live on long past you. So one of the things that's lived long past is that to this day, my granddaughters age four and seven know that if I'm tickling them, I'm not going to stop until they say the magic word calf rope. <laughs> and that, that's, that alone has lived on. It's just a little taste yeah. of what the flavor of calf rope is. Yeah. A lot of people have said it, uh, who've seen the movie have told me, the audience for calf rope seems to be the 50 plus Interesting. and those parents who have school-aged children. Yeah. And so dads, for sure. I, we've had grown men your age uh, up to my age who just read the screenplay and admitted to me, and it takes a lot to admit this for men's often, would say, dang, I got to tell you, man, that thing made me tear up. <laughs> and that was just from the screenplay. It seems to have sort of a field of dreams, kind of a grab to men. Mm. So it's the best compliment I could get. Um, we just had a screening in Wilcox, Arizona, a very Western genre film festival, okay. very manly men kind of film festival. Yeah. I wasn't able to go out, but our lead actor was. And he told me that he could audibly hear the sniffling and stuff during the end credits. <laughs> and you know, saw guys doing this, you know, yeah. uh, wiping the tears away from their eyes. And yeah. there isn't a better compliment. Yeah. And the reason being is they would come up to me, come, to, come up to him and say, that movie just made me think of so many stories about my own grandfather and relationship with him. You just nailed that relationship, that time period of the 60s so accurately. Mm. It took me back to my own stories. Cool. And uh, so that seems to be, that seems to be who our audience is. Yeah. I, I refer to Dadley Productions brand, if you would, a film, yeah. as being like live action Pixar. Okay. In other words, <laughs> uh, uh, a 7-year-old will appreciate it, but a 77-year-old is going to appreciate all the more from the life experience that they've had through their journey to get yeah. to 77. So you can deal with adult content in, but in a way that goes over the kid's head and off camera, yeah. but that the older, uh, older ones will get, the more life experience you have, the more meaning it's going to have to you. Yeah. A lot of people have said that calf rope reminds me of them of Coco, uh, the Pixar film. Are okay. you familiar with that at all? I'm familiar with that one, yep. Where there's a really tight bond between the grandson and the grandmother. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there seems to be, that's, there's a similar vibe. And yeah. so kind of our brand, Dadley Productions, in all of our films, I'm all about sharing that. I, I aspire to be the Switchfoot of indie filmmaking. Okay. Switchfoot's <laughs> my favorite band. Uh, are you familiar with the band Switchfoot? Yes. <laughs> so what I love about Switchfoot is that they appeal to non-Christians, Yeah. but they are also introduce godly principles within mm -hmm. their songs. Yeah. And sometimes they'll say uh, they're subtle about it. Yeah. They're definitely not evangelical. You know, they're not Bible thumping or being evangelical. Yeah. But definitely opening a door. Yeah. And I love that about what they do with their music. Yeah. So that's what I aspire to do with filmmaking: yeah. is um, uh, 
be seeker friendly, bring light into a very dark world. When yes. I first went into the movie business, I had everyone tell me, Brad, you're going into like, you know, Satan's pit by going into the film industry. Mm -hmm. And you know what happened for me? God was just constantly introducing me to Christians. You know, just all the way, starting with roller coaster. The film crew was yeah. largely graduates from a Christian college okay. that happened to be in LA while we were there. Yeah. I don't believe in coincidence. God planned yeah. for them to be there when we were there. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. and uh, that doesn't mean that everybody I work with is a Christian, but the, sure. the amount of believers that I've ran into through all my films. And right now, you were mentioning the success of Cafro. We're, 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 Hitting out of the park with the faith-based family film festival routes and yeah. winning in those awards. So, yeah, we're doing very well. It's The film was released in June. We've already won our 79th award. Wow. Uh, and this is just mid-October. Yeah. Um, and so we're definitely done something that's grabbing people. Yeah, no, that's great. And the thing I love about that and what you said earlier is you know, just the idea of, it seems like you've got one of two, two roads in the film industry. You've got completely, you know, pagan hedonist, you know, the message is not anything of the Lord. And then you've got, you know, the complete opposite end of the spectrum, which is, you know, complete, you know, Jesus and principles in your face kind of thing. But you're taking, you're trying to take a little bit different path. And that's what's so encouraging to me is even thinking about scripture and talking about being winsome and being salt and light um, and, and doing it in a way that, you know, is winsome to people. I love that. And, and even more so just the, um, it's interesting to hear you say you've met so many Christians and so many believers in the industry. It also seems that, you know, you, I mean, like anything, there's kind of a, a hierarchy, a pyramid and those at the top probably are not so much Christian maybe, Correct. but you know, where you are and where you're aspiring to be is, you know, to be in production, to be in directing, you know, you're, you're at the, the apex of that hierarchy and you're inserting your production company in with all these other production companies to where yours actually at the top is different than what the others are. And I just, I love that heart and the influence that you seek there in that. Well, well, thank you. And, and it's sort of reevaluated my original path for Calf Rope. Uh -huh. We made Calf Rope with the intent of this being the film that got my daughter and I back to the Oscars hmm. for the live action short, uh, the nomination for live action short. Yes. But what we're experiencing, we're not getting accepted into the Oscar qualifying film festivals. Huh. And there, we've learned through other film festivals that they're, unfortunately is very much a bias against films sure. that are well faith-based films have a very difficult time be getting recognized that way yeah uh, and so it's becoming evident to me and i mean it still could happen god is you know god can make it happen for sure absolutely uh and it may come later in our path and we may still end up as an oscar nominee with this because it's doing so well but yet to get in, accepted at the film festivals that are the Oscar qualifiers. Yeah. But I'm seeing a different purpose developing from this, and that mm. is to help elevate faith-based films, Christian films, which sadly, notoriously are well-intended, but mm. poorly executed. Mm. And uh, we're getting commended for the level of execution that we're, we've reached with yeah. Calf Rope. 
And, and, and frankly, at a lot of these Christian film festivals that we're entering and, and doing well in, we're probably the least evangelical of many of the other films that are in those film festivals. Mm -hmm. And um, so we may not win best picture there because they're looking for an evangelical film to represent their best picture. Understand. But there's no way they can deny the direction or the screenplay right. or some other aspect of it. Yes. Uh, we're running into that situation a lot. But I've also had other people like you reach out to me. Um, as I mentioned, uh, I think before we were started recording, uh, Cowboys for Christ have found out about Calf Rope and, and the cowboy, uh, wow, the cowboy uh, <laughs> culture nationwide has really shown interest in this. Uh, I think God's got another purpose in mind, and I'm, yeah. I'm just tickled to be part of whatever his plan is. Yeah. Well, that's great. Uh, I'm excited for you and excited for what's ahead for sure. Um, just kind of as we begin wrapping up our time here, Bradley, um, you know, what, what challenge, um, I ask this of all my guests as we wind down, but what challenge would you leave um, with our dads in the trenches? We all want to know what the next page in our story is, and we're all going to be thrown curveballs. <laughs> and boy, did we have lots of curveballs. Although I saw God at work with Cafro way before we rolled the cameras. God also had stop signs along the path where we expected to be done at one point and he put the brakes on and we could have, we could have made the choice to go, well, we'll take care of it then if God's not going to. Yeah. But I chose to listen to him and say, there's a reason that this is paused. He does not want me to pull out the credit card and put the rest of this movie on it and go into debt. That's not of God to do that. Yeah. And so I have to trust that he's, I've seen his work on this from the beginning. Yeah. Why would I bail on him now? Yeah. And I'm so glad that I did that. One key way was that we fully expected this film to come out in 2018. We actually shot a couple scenes in 2018 because that's all we could afford. Mm. But the scenes did not involve the bulk of the film. What we shot in 2018 was a flashback rodeo scene and an epilogue that didn't have anything to do with the, the primary actors of the film. Okay. Um, so in 2018, we were auditioning for young boys to play the part of Brandon, the co-lead, an eight nine-year-old boy okay. found great talent nationwide but the dominoes did not fall for us to be able to shoot in 2018 gotcha. so we decide well let's get the rodeo scene done which is a flashback of when the grandfather was a boy let's get the epilogue shot which has to do when the boy is now a grandfather okay and we'll shoot all the rest in 2019 that was such a blessing because the young boy that I found in 2019 would have been too young in 2018, mm. but hit the mark right in that sweet spot in 2019. And a lot of the boys that saw in 2018 had not grown the part. So I kind of had to start over. Gotcha. And so if it wasn't for that delay, I would have not had this brilliant kid up here in this poster, Lucas Barnett, yeah. get cast to play the part. And that young kid there is, was nine when he filmed it. He's 10 now, I'll turn 11 at the end of the month. He's already won more awards for that film than his age. Wow. Uh, it is crazy. This is past weekend. He won Best Supporting Actor. 
his competition were all 30-year-old men and older. Oh, my. And uh, this little 10-year-old boy going home with the Supporting Actor Award. Yeah. So what am I getting at? What do I, do I pass on to dads? A couple things. Be persistent. Uh, you don't know when, you don't know what God's in mind for you on page, you're on, you're on page 31 at age 31. Yeah. You don't know what's on page 57. Yeah. You know, uh, so just trust God. Know that he's got the best, uh, Romans 8, 28. All things work out for those who love the Lord and act according to his purpose. Yeah. And just be true to that. Don't try to take the steering wheel away from him uh, because he knows best where to take you. Uh, and I'm living proof of that. Here I was making movies as a little boy at eight. And now at 64, I feel like everything that's happened in my life, including being a music director, a high school teacher, and everything has led to where I am right now. Yeah. And I would not have been near the director I am now had I gone a different path if, if God had not directed this path Absolutely. that led to me where I am today. Absolutely. That's, that's a great word and good perspective for us all, for sure. Um, just as we wind down, uh, do you know, tell us how can our listeners connect with you um, and what you're doing? And also tell us, um, you know, when can viewers you know, expect to, to see the film? How can they access it? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Out of our three movies, two of them are on Amazon right now. So okay. you could look up Roller Coaster and filling in on Amazon. If you have Amazon Prime, you get them free. If you don't have free, you can watch them each for two bucks. Um, so those are available. Um, I'm on Facebook as Bradley Hawkins. You can find me there. I'm on Instagram as at Bradley underscore Hawkins. Um, and, uh, uh, but Calf Rope is currently on the film festival circuit. However, this is 2020, the year of COVID. <laughs> and so film festivals are very different right now. Uh, normally I would be telling you that you would have to go see the film at a film festival in Arkansas or Indiana or New York city or wherever right now, all the film festivals are having to stream. So between now and the end of the year, if you follow us on our social media platforms, you'll find out where you can see calf rope that's hosted in Arkansas but you can watch it from your couch in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, or wherever <laughs> you're living, uh, uh, Aaron. And uh, uh, so there'll be several opportunities to be able to see it online through film festivals Great. that, because of the pandemic, are having to screen, uh, stream rather yeah. than screen. Gotcha. Do you, do you have an Instagram page for the film itself? Yes. That's okay. at, at calf, C-A-L-F, underscore rope. Underscore. Very okay. simple. Great. Um, I'd love to have you follow the film. A lot of people don't have Instagram. The motion picture industry has definitely moved over to the um, to Instagram. We're on Facebook, though, also. Okay. We're going to link up all the different uh, ways they can connect with you for sure. Oh, good. And uh, uh, we'll make sure they have links to the Calf Rope site as well as, you know. Yeah, Instagram. the Calf Rope site's real easy to find. Calf-rope.com. Yeah. Perfect. And on the homepage is the trailer. So you'll be able to see the trailer right away. Perfect. That's great. Well, Bradley, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I'm really excited for uh, what's happening with the film and um, uh, really two things. One, if you would pray for our listeners, but then I also want to take the opportunity and pray for you and the film as well. Um, 
after after that. So, all right, thank you. Sure, I'd be happy to. Father God, thank you so very much for the way that you work. Um, you are the ultimate executive producer. There's no two ways about it. And uh, I just thank you so much, Lord, for how you orchestrate these connections, how nothing happens by coincidence. It's all by your design. I pray for all the uh, men of all ages that are listening to this podcast, that uh, some little kernel of what uh, you may have led me to say here today may inspire them and have them uh, give them more of a desire to make a stronger connection with their, their kids as dads and their uh, their wives and uh, family members and uh, and a connection with you. Uh, thank you for how you're planning to use this, Lord. Only you know that, but I know that you've got great things in mind for everybody listening to this and that you love us all so dearly. And we thank you so much for uh, being who you are and uh, being in our corner uh, and uh, how much you love us and everything that you, that you do for us on a daily basis to protect us, to love us that we're not even aware of. Mm-hmm. In your precious name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yes. God and I just lift up Bradley and I lift up this film Calf Rope to you, um, both myself, God, and the listeners. Um, we just pray, God, that you would open a doorway uh, for even greater influence for this film and for your message and truth and light to penetrate even into the places of um, the Oscars. I pray, God, where there are um, just blockades and walls that have been erected against anything of faith um, within the film industry and within the, the Oscar industry. I pray, God, you would, you would bring down those strongholds in the name of Jesus, and you would allow, you would allow such a film like Calf Rope uh, to have influence, or uh, Bradley to have influence, and uh, for your truth to enter into dark places. And so we ask for that in the name of Jesus. I thank you for um, the heart that you've given Bradley. I thank you for the ministry that you've given to him. I thank you for the success that he's already had. I ask you would bring more increase and you would multiply um, his faithfulness in this, God. And so we ask all that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Aaron. I really Bradley, appreciate that. Yes, thank you for joining us today. All right, dads, we will talk to you next time. Take care and God bless. Thanks for listening. For more content and resources, check out the website at dadinthetrenches.com or on social media at dadinthetrenches. And be sure and click on subscribe to stay up to date with new podcasts. Walk out the heroic fatherhood you were called to live.